We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is on the Jets. Odell Beckham Jr. is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We're back again with Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group of 95.7 The Game. Uh, Kyle, we we got to watch a little bit of preseason football last night. I know we we haven't recorded a pod since last week because of the traveling and, and your new job and things like that, but what was your what was your big takeaway from from last night's game against the Denver Broncos? Sorry, you threw it to me right when my cat walked walked across my keyboard, so I was a little <laughs> bit hamstrung for the moment. Uh, my big my big takeaway was that Jimmy Garoppolo looked extremely uncomfortable throwing footballs and looked like he hadn't played in an NFL game in close to close to a year. It was um I I'm trying to pick out the right word because 
I think discouraging is is probably the the correct word because it's not the end of the world because he might come out and throw five touchdowns in week one and render the entire preseason moot, which happens all the time. But what we saw Monday night was not was not ideal for sure. Yeah, and admittedly, I'm I'm always somebody to rail against the the importance and the value of preseason. But in, in Garoppolo's case, there is a lot of value here, right? Because it's the first time he's playing in a game situation against another team that wants to drill him. Um, and, you know, since since he suffered the knee injury 11 months ago. And so what we saw was a ton of rust. And and so I, I agree with you in that it was discouraging. And I don't want to brush it off just because it was preseason, because we see the confidence of quarterbacks rise and fall all the time in the NFL. Sometimes a quarterback will look like a world beater the next year. Sometimes a quarterback will look terrible the year after that. Uh, Derek Carr is, is a good ex- example. A couple years ago, before he broke his ankle, he was an MVP candidate. And then a year later, he was one of the most tentative quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm not saying we're going to see that from Garoppolo, but these things do happen. Quarterbacks lose their confidence for whatever reason. Um, whether it's injury or change of coaching staff or, you know, there are myriad of reasons that all these things can happen. And so, yeah, when Jimmy Garoppolo comes out, completes one of six passes for no yards, throws an interception, probably should have thrown uh, at least one more. Um, It is a little bit alarming, but I do think that context is important when we talk about exactly the the kind of situation that Jimmy Garoppolo was put in. So first of all, Trent Taylor has been Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target throughout training camp. I think that's pretty fair to say. Trent Taylor's obviously out with a foot injury. He might miss the first couple games. Uh, he had surgery to repair a Jones fracture. So Trent Taylor wasn't out there. Obviously, George Kittle, the 49ers' most dynamic player on offense, was not out there. Uh, starting center, Weston Richburg, was not out there. Starting right guard, Mike Person, was not out there. And Shelby Harris, a defensive tackle who who batted two passes at the line of scrimmage, was going against Najee Toran, who's essentially the fourth string right guard at this point. So the context does matter in that things are going to look a lot different in the regular season because Kittle's going to be out there. At some point, Trent Taylor is going to be back. Um, You're going to have Joe Staley probably playing a little bit better uh, than he did in that game. I think it's understandable why Staley at the advanced portion of his career might not be giving everything he has into a preseason game and he had a miscommunication with Lake and Tomlinson that that Bradley that led to Bradley Chubb basically going unblocked uh pressuring Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan said it today Garoppolo got rid of the ball a little bit earlier than he needed to even with Chubb bearing down on him maybe because he was tentative maybe because Having spent so much time away from actual game situations, Garoppolo is a little bit rusty and his timing uh, was off. That I think that's understandable. But what we want to look at going forward from Garoppolo is is seeing him regain that, that comfort in the pocket that he had in 20, 2017 when he was one of the NFL's best quarterbacks in the face of pressure. I think that's one of the things that was most encouraging about what he did when he first came to the 49ers in those five starts is how good he was when he was pressured and moving around the pocket and, and doing all those high level things uh, that you need a franchise quarterback to do if, if you fancy yourself as a contender. So what Garoppolo didn't do was look comfortable in the pocket uh, following that knee injury. And so, yeah, I think it, it's definitely something. 
Um, I, I don't think it's everything, but it's definitely something. And, and uh, we talked about it too, a little bit before coming on here tonight. Like Grant Cohen made a good point in that all of Garoppolo's passes came from shotgun and three of them came from empty sets. So that, 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 that's interesting because a lot of what Kyle Shanahan's offense is, is play action, uh, moving the pocket, getting guys open in space via misdirection, all sorts of things like that. And the Niners weren't doing any of that. And yeah, it's a preseason and maybe you're going to be a little bit vanilla and maybe you want to spread Vic Fangio's defense out and, and make some quick throws, but it doesn't work when Garoppolo has defensive linemen in his lap. And that falls both on the play calling, I think, and on the offensive line. So Garoppolo wasn't necessarily put in a position position to succeed in that game. And so, you know, all these confluence of factors sort of lead to just this very discouraging performance. And, and yeah, it's notable because it's Garoppolo's first action of 2019 and he played so well previously and then he gets hurt. And now you're wondering, oh, is he ever going to be the same guy again? Look, I, I saw him practice. I know practice is not games. Um, but when they're doing the Kyle Shanahan offense, the play action, the misdirection, um, you know, all of those things, it Garoppolo does look much better than he did in that game. And so I'm curious to see what it's going to look like on Saturday if they do some things early on, play action passes, for an example, maybe a screen that's not, you know, on third and 15 or whatever it was at the five yard line. Uh, you know, I, I want to see Garoppolo do some of those things because that's going to provide us better context to where he's at because that's what he's going to be doing more often in the regular season. And I do think it's a little bit crazy, like Kyle Shanahan called it irresponsible today in his conference call, to make a judgment off 10 plays. Um, right. So that was a long, that was my long Garoppolo spiel, but I, I'm curious as to your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think I think what you what you, everything you said is is valid. It just there were there were some things that that still were a little bit concerning to me, and it's understandable. It's his first live action. He's coming off an ACL tear, and something Richard Sherman talked about. I believe he 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 said it to Jennifer Lee Chan of, of NBC Sports Bay Area. He talked about the confidence to move coming back from a catastrophic injury. His was an Achilles, but I, I imagine an ACL tear is probably something similar where you functioned a certain way, dropping back and standing in the pocket and maneuvering about the pocket in a certain way for a decade plus. And now all of a sudden, that confidence to move the way you've moved is maybe not there. And I think that's what I saw, what stood out the most to me from Garoppolo last night. The one for six with the interception, no yards. That's That doesn't matter because preseason stats don't matter. But he looked very uncomfortable in that, in that situation where he was just taking a shotgun snap, setting his feet and throwing. On the other hand, some silver linings because this has been, um, you know, I've been, I've been kind of pointing out to all the negatives, but a couple silver linings is all the, and Kyle Shanahan mentioned this today, all the throws were going to the right guy. The The first ball that got batted down, Dante Pettis was open. He had one-on-one coverage. I think it was on Vaughn Miller uh, in the slot. And he had slipped, but he was open when Garoppolo threw in the ball. The The throw that got intercepted was the right throw to Matt Breida. He just got rid of it a little early. He was getting hit as he threw. And 
and he underthrew it. Um, another one of the passes that got batted down, I forget who he was throwing it to. I think it was Marquise Goodwin, but, but my, my cat agrees with me. I don't know if you can hear him in the background, but, uh, (laughs) it got tipped at the line. He was throwing it to the right place, which I think is something that you can really take away and will ultimately be the takeaway here is it looked like he was trying to do the right things with the ball which at this point is, is about all you can ask because it would be understandable if he still needed a few reps to get fully comfortable on that leg. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I think since the last time we recorded, did did we record since the five interception practice? No. Okay, so this is so so that's the other interesting aspect. Breaking of news. Jimmy Garoppolo threw five straight interceptions in practice. You hadn't heard? <laughs> and so, I mean, w- with that as a backdrop, I guess it is a little bit alarming. And I will say, I think it was I think it was about eight practices before Garoppolo even threw an interception during team drills. And then what, you know, the, the Kendrick Bourne, I think, dropped one that basically went right, right to a defensive back that that ended that streak. But the five interception practice was notable. Um just because, I mean, it was five picks on five consecutive pass attempts. And there were a lot of other plays sprinkled in between, and it was over about three periods worth of practice. Um, but, you know, it, uh, three of those targets were to Ross Dwelly, right? And so how, how often is Garoppolo going to be throwing to Ross Dwelly right. during the regular season? I think, you know, obviously over, that's, that's going to be George under, Kittle. Over or under 18 and a half targets for Ross Dwelly this year? I'll go over because right now he looks like the number two tight end. Okay. Keep going. Um, but it'll be right around there, I would imagine. But that's the other thing too. And and this is a, another point that, that we've talked about. I don't, not, I don't know that we've talked about it on the podcast, but the beat writers have, have talked about it quite a bit. The receivers rotate more during practice than basically any other position in terms of first, second, and third string, uh, which is odd because – like Dante Pettis, for example, gets as much run with Nick Mullins and CJ Bethard as he does Garoppolo and Malik Henry uh, and Sean Poindexter. The same is true for them. And these are guys who obviously, you know, it's going to take injuries to make the team. Sean Poindexter got hurt in that game uh, Monday night, but it's a little bit odd not to see the first, you know, the guys you expect to be in the mix at receiver uh, working more with Garoppolo because you're expecting those to be the guys that Garoppolo works with during the regular season. And that just hasn't happened. Like it's, it's just strange that the 49ers coaching staff is so intent on getting Malik Henry and Sean Poindexter and, and all those guys uh, reps with the starters when really they probably aren't. I mean, it's it's kind of a waste of time because you really need Garoppolo to develop a feel with Dante Pettis, with Debo Samuel, do with think, Jalen Hurd. Do you think it's like contrived competition? Like they're trying to create some kind of fire underneath the receivers that they know are going to make the roster? I think that's part of it. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has said it the entire all of training camp that he needs more from the receivers. He wants somebody to to jump out there and and win the job, but it seems like it's just sort of hard to do. I mean, I guess it's you know, it's the the guys have to earn the reps, but I mean, I I don't know. Like I I I feel like the 49ers generally under Kyle Shanahan have done a pretty good job of having the big picture in mind just with the way they operate and and I think that's true with how cautious they are with injured guys and and how they put 
you know, getting guys healthy for week one uh, above, you know, getting training camp reps. I think they've realized that availability is more important than practice reps for their for their important players. But it is strange to see Kyle Shanahan not not really just force feed Jimmy Garoppolo the receivers that he's going to be throwing to during the regular season. And I don't know how much of that is a part of it. I think really, ultimately, though, it's about pocket presence. And I think that's that's probably the hardest part of playing quarterback in the league. You talk to guys and it's like the, the quarterbacks who can move, maneuver within the pocket and have a feel for evading the pass rush while also making their progressions and doing so, you know, fluidly and, and without uh, without hesitation and without looking skittish, those are the quarterbacks that really separate themselves from the rest of the league, the guys who can do that and deliver passes accurately. And I think Garoppolo did do that in 2017, um, maybe not as much in 2018, but I wasn't as, as alarmed as everybody else about what he did in 2018 uh, for reasons I, I know we've talked about before, mainly I mean, it was a small sample size, but also not having Jarek McKinnon losing him a week for, before the season was a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a little concerning to see Garoppolo as skittish as he was, considering how confident he played in 2017, um, because he was just sort of a gunslinger out there, and he you know he he wasn't afraid to make plays, and maybe that that balance of trying to make the plays and make throws into tight windows. When maybe it's just smarter to throw the ball away, which he doesn't do a whole lot. Um, he hardly ever throws the ball away in practice. And one of those interceptions in uh, that that five interception practice was one where he basically was throwing the ball away. Like he had been he had been tapped by Solomon Thomas, who ran by him, and Garoppolo just kind of hucked a pass haphazardly into the end zone for for Dante Pettis. And there was a miscommunication, or Pettis ran the wrong route, or whatever. But it ended up going right to Akella Witherspoon. Um, I think that was his third interception of, of that. No, it was the fourth interception that day. So, yeah, and I, and we we also saw in Denver on Friday, he threw one interception, and it was when Von Miller was sort of pressuring him, but also almost rolling into his left leg, and then Garoppolo wound up underthrowing a pass. Uh, I want to say it was for Jordan Matthews. Or, I mean, no, it was Marquise Goodwin um, that, that was picked off by Justin Simmons. Uh, or, Simmons, whatever, whatever the Broncos safety first name is, I forget, but yeah, just like it, you, you do worry about Garoppolo's confidence. And and so I'm, I'm curious to see what Kyle Shanahan does to put him in a position to, to, you know, regain that confidence and regain a rhythm. Because I think once Garoppolo finds that rhythm and, and feels it like he did in 2017, then I think he'll be fine. Um, but it's about recapturing that and, and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see in Kansas city, um, because a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that game on Jimmy Garoppolo and, and you wonder how he's going to deal with it because if he doesn't play well and he, and he plays like he did on Monday night and it's over an entire half, if he's given the first, the first half, you know, like it's going to be an avalanche of discussion, both locally and nationally. And the Niners are going to go into the season with a ton of question marks about their franchise quarterback who essentially, I mean, if things don't work out with Garoppolo this year, he could be gone in the spring because all the guaranteed money in that contract is basically done. It was was so front loaded. Um, So the 49ers could potentially move on. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think Garoppolo is going to rebound and eventually play well. 
because he did play well throughout most of training camp. So it was it was a little alarming to see him practice as well as he did for the past two plus weeks, and then to see him play like that on Monday. Yeah, two quick things here, and then and then I want to move on to to some other stuff if that's cool. Mm-hmm. What you said about the the narrative around the 49ers, I do I do radio in the Bay Area, and no big deal. We spent yeah, it's not that huge of a deal. Um, <laughs> Ninety five seven the game, uh, <laughs> ten to two, Fonte Steinaker. Uh, we spent four hours today with people talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and his performance in this preseason game. And I did the better part of four hours. Like that is what matters right now for, for the 49ers, at least for the fan base. And I think it's going to say a lot. Kyle Shanahan said specifically, he's not going to freak out over 10 plays and it would be, what what was his word? Irresponsible. Yeah, it'd be irresponsible. It'd be irresponsible, but I think we're going to see how much, he believes that against Kansas City because it's clear he wanted to go as vanilla as possible against the Broncos. The Niners ran, what was it, four of his passes were out of empty sets? Three. Three. All, all three shotgun, out of, three out of empty sets. Right, they were all right, all shotgun. I think they wanted to go as vanilla as possible. They didn't want to show any play action stuff. They didn't want to show any other pre-snap motion stuff. They, if, Shanahan truly isn't freaking out. I think we see more of that against Kansas City. I think we see the most basic version of their offense. Now, if we see some more play action, some bootlegs from Garoppolo, maybe just some easy throws to get him some completions and maybe get his confidence going, I think it shows that there was at least some, even if it was small, level of concern from from Shanahan and the coaching staff. Also should point out, um, Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coaches in the league and Vic Fangio calls plays for the Broncos defense. And he did so after having two extended practices against the 49ers. So look, it, it obviously was a preseason game. It, it wasn't like Fangio was up all night scheming and, and identifying right. tendencies and things like that. But Fangio is really well known for his ability to disguise coverages and his coverages are all extremely complex. And you pair those complex coverages with elite edge rushers like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's what makes the Broncos defense so good. So again, it was preseason. Vic Fangio obviously didn't treat it like the Super Bowl, but after practicing against the 49ers for two, for two days on Friday and Saturday, having a pretty good idea of what the 49ers were going to do, then I think, maybe that changes things and we'll see how, how the chiefs defend Garoppolo and if it's a little bit easier, but yeah, I'm expecting Shanahan to go back to, to a lot of the the basic install stuff we saw in OTAs, just very, very vanilla, but, but just sort of the core tenets of his, of his offensive system uh, just to get Garoppolo, you know, to, to get, give him a simplified version of, of what they're doing and allow him to sort of get in a rhythm with some easy completions, maybe some bubble screens, Dollars to donuts. The first pass attempt, I feel confident in saying this, first pass attempt for Garoppolo is going to be a bubble screen on Saturday. A bubble screen to Debo Samuel. Put it in the book. Okay. Put it in the book. (laughs) Hey, Kyle, if shaving is a terrible experience for you, we've got you covered at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes 
a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the low quality razors from convenience stores, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-way shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with the doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. So Kyle, what else happened in that game Monday night, aside from Jimmy Garoppolo struggling, that that caught your eye. I uh, won a little money on my bookie hitting the under on that one. Nice. <laughs> all that all uh, that new cash going going to work for you. Just flowing in, man. Um, the other thing that stood out, and again, this this goes without saying because it is the preseason, but the 49ers defense for two games has not allowed a touchdown. And well, they did the, late. I guess I guess that's right. They they did late in the game, um, but the 49ers have allowed one touchdown then through the first two games, mm-hmm. and it was a long rushing touchdown to Kevin Hogan. But the thing that that really stands out to me is how fast their defense is this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe that's just a a, fat, uh, a product of the preseason and playing against some other teams, second and third stringers. But their speed just everywhere on the defense. They're flying to the football. Solomon Thomas looked really good last night. Drake Greenlaw, you called it at the start of camp, was was probably going to earn a starting job, and he's done that. I don't think he's done anything to to not make that happen. Uh, Jaquaski Tart at the strong safety spot was all over the field when he was in the game last night. Their defense just looks so much more confident than it did last year. The the people are moving like like they know what they're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I, am I making sense? No, totally. I, I mean, here I, I wrote about it over the weekend because on the practice Friday, uh, the so these joint practices they started early. It was nine fifteen, uh, nine fifteen Mountain Time. And the Niners, particularly the linebackers, 
were just ready to go from the jump. Like during stretches, they were vocal, they were loud, they were energetic, uh, which is which is why I wrote about Quan Alexander and, and Fred Warner over the weekend and just sort of the the energy that they brought to those practices and how it's really impacting the defense. Um, you know, I was watching the, the, I was on the other side of the field watching the Niners offense against the Broncos defense and trying to keep an eye on what was happening on the 49ers defensive side too. And like, they were just dominating practice and you could hear them hooting and hollering. You could hear them celebrating almost after every play for every incompletion. There were high fives, chest bumps, all of that stuff. Um, and it starts with, it really starts with Quan Alexander. It starts with his creation of the hot boys. And I think that's really rubbed off on Fred Warner. And I think you saw it in, in the second half of the game. You know, the first half was, was pretty ugly, obviously for the Niners, they fell down. Uh, they what went into the breakdown nine to three. And obviously the big story of the half was Garoppolo, but the defense really sort of set the tone in the second half. And you could really tell from the sideline. I think Mark Zacha's sack uh, in the third quarter just really started to get everybody fired up. And I think that came right after Raheem Mostert's touchdown. And you could see the energy on the sideline change. I was actually back in, in California, in San Jose, watching that from my couch. Um, and even from the TV broadcast, I mean, you could just tell how much energy was on the sideline. Uh, and, and I do think that's a big difference this year that because the 49ers had lacked that personality, that galvanizing leadership, uh, energetic force in the middle of that defense. And a lot of people expected it to be Reuben Foster. And obviously for a bunch of different reasons, it, it wasn't Reuben Foster, but Quan Alexander has brought that to the defense and it's really rubbed off on Fred Warner who is like the loudest, one of the loudest guys on the practice field now. Whereas last year, I mean, if you're watching a training camp practice, you wouldn't, you, all you would hear is Warner, you know, shouting out signals and things like that. But like during stretches, during individual drills, you know, the linebackers huddle together and do like this series of chants. Um, Warner is really becoming like a vocal a vocal member of that defense and and you see it emanating elsewhere. And also the one thing that really jumped out to me rewatching the game this morning, the defensive line is firing off the ball at a much in a much different way than it did these last couple of years. And you see that with Solomon Thomas and, and, you know, watching the defensive line practice really exploding off the, off the snap is like the focal point from Chris Kasurik, their new defensive line coach. And the 49ers penetrate so quickly now that, you know, they it, it really is problematic for opposing offenses. And that wasn't the case these last couple of years. And you wonder, you know, if they get D Ford, who, you know, a lot of people say has the has the fastest first step in the league. Uh, if you get Solomon Thomas playing better, when you get Nick Bosa back, when you have DeForest Buckner in there playing well, and then Eric Armstead rotating in and, and whatnot. I mean, it could be a really, really good defensive front that creates all sorts of problems for oppositions. And and yeah, it's easy to to look at it on paper and say they should be better. But just watching the way they play, it, you, to your point, which is a good one, is it just feels different. The way they're firing off the ball feels different. The energy on defense feels different. Richard Sherman, who... You know, if, if you give Richard Sherman an opportunity to praise somebody or talk about something positive within the team, he's going to go way over the top. 
but he said like he said just the confidence level of the defense right now is is light years ahead of what it was last year and confidence is really important like confidence in anything you do in life is really important and obviously talking about Jimmy Garoppolo he was not playing confidently well the defense is playing confidently yeah and so you know I don't know if it's going to be able to force the takeaways that that you know the 49ers need to to really like if the offense struggles for example like is the defense going to be good enough to to carry the weight? I don't necessarily know that. I mean, I think Nick Bosa obviously would have to be healthy. Ford would have to be healthy. And we would need Alexander and, and Fred Warner to be, you know, one of the league's, I don't know, sixth best inside linebacker combinations. I think they could get there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like, the, yeah, the, this is a, a long-winded way of saying the energy around the defense feels much different and it was very tangible on the practice field in Denver. And then we did see it in the second half of that game, even if it was mostly backups who were, who were, you know, sort of exhibiting that. Yeah. And I know that that's tough to say because you can't really quantify that it feels different, but I mean, just watching the defense, they, they look different and it is preseason. Maybe they get into week one and they get shredded by Tampa Bay and it looks like they're back to square one, but it doesn't look like they're trending in that direction, which I think if you're the 49ers, if you asked Robert Sala before the season, like it would this be acceptable after two weeks of the preseason, I think you would take. Yeah. And, and also like the Broncos offense is not going to be good. It's not going to be very good. Dude, Joe Flacco's terrible. Watching Joe Flacco in practice is just like, Oh man, they really, I mean him and drew Locke, are just not the most encouraging quarterback, you know, the top of the depth chart guys like in the league. It it just like you could, the Niners, particularly on Friday that on Saturday, it was a little bit more, more balanced in terms of, you know, the the competition level of practice, but man, Friday was like the Niners defense really just kicked the Broncos ass. Like for most of the, for most of the time. And then we, like we saw that on, on Monday in the second half of the game, but, you know, statistically, like the Broncos had 139 yards passing and the 49ers only had 108. Uh, right. So obviously that's not good either. But the Broncos averaged three points, 3.7 yards per pass attempt. Oof. And Flacco Record. completed seven of 11, but he only had 5.4 yards per attempt, which is uh, horrendous. Like if, if it's like really bad, if you're in the sevens, it's not good. Like if you're, if you want to have a high level offense, your quarterback needs to be at around eight yards in attempt. Yeah. And Garoppolo, I think led the league uh, during his five starts. He was at like 8.8. 8. Yeah. So it was, quick... it was really not a good performance from the Broncos offense, particularly after the starters came out. So I don't know how much I want to read into the Niners defense playing well, but yeah. The energy is much, much different. Yeah, and two things two things on this. Something that you pointed out and something that uh, Matt Barrows of The Athletic pointed out. You pointed out something Kyle Shanahan said today that made it sound as though he's leaning toward keeping only two quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of reading between the lines, but it, it makes sense when, when you pointed it out. Then you- Matt Barrows, go ahead. No, so so what what Shanahan said was he was asked on his conference call how he feels about, you know, the backup quarterback battle between CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. 
And he said, it's most likely, and Shanahan's very honest, probably too honest for an NFL head coach. What he said to us was, it's very likely that he's not going to make a decision uh, public until the 53-man roster is set. Which to me means, okay, it's only he's only going to keep two quarterbacks if I'm sure. reading between the lines because you could keep three quarterbacks and then you wouldn't have to tell anybody who your backup is until you actually needed it. Right. Or right. until, right. until the, the day of week one, when you have one of the, one of those guys inactive. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's what happens. I mean, Shanahan could keep three guys, but the fact that he said, you'll likely know during final or after we make final cuts indicates to me that they're only going to keep two which is fascinating because of where things stand with, with Bethard and Mullins and that, like, I don't know that there's a ton of separation. Like I think Mullins has been better than Bethard, but in Shanahan's mind, Shanahan has done nothing but, but just gas up Bethard. And maybe that's an attempt to increase his trade value. That's probably it. I mean, it wouldn't do, it wouldn't do Shanahan any good to say anything disparaging about CJ Bethard, but Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm curious to see what happens because I would think if if he goes with Mullins and you trade Beathard and and I'm wondering which team would be interested and and what the price would be. Well, and that's that that leads perfectly into my next point. And it's it's one that Matt Barrows brought up. Drew Locke is going to be out for some amount of time with a badly sprained thumb. And Kevin Hogan and Brett Rippon are the are the two quarterbacks behind him on the depth chart. If the 49ers have an additional quarterback that's familiar with Rich Gangarello and the offense that he's going to want to run. Of course, the Niners' former former the 49ers' former quarterbacks coach, who's now the OC in Denver. That possibility of a trade seems seems a little more likely if Drew Locke is going to miss some kind of significant time. Yeah, the, there's there's a lot of a lot of layers, a lot of connections to be made between the Broncos and 49ers just yeah. organizationally. So, yeah, it, it would make a lot of sense. One thought I had was um, was Green Bay. Because you have Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur a, a Kyle Shanahan disciple running a very similar offense, obviously. And you have Deshaun Kaiser, who was a backup quarterback brought in by the previous coaching staff, or at least by the, by the front office when the previous coaching staff was there. And you wonder how good of a fit that is. And and I'll admit, I haven't been reading a ton about the Packers uh, this August, but just thinking about LaFleur being there and Kaiser, who I don't have a particularly high opinion of, I would think that if you weren't, if you, if you were Matt LaFleur and you weren't comfortable with Kaiser, then Bethard would make a lot of sense um Beathard played college in Iowa obviously like the weather and and that's you know that that part of the country is certainly not foreign to him so I I do think that would make some sense as well but yeah I mean if they traded CJ Beathard what are you getting are you getting a you're probably getting a fifth round pick at best right at best I, I I was yeah, I'd be if I'm the 49ers, I would pull the trigger on a fifth round pick for Beathard immediately. Yeah, I mean the fifth round pick has sort of been the the sweet spot for this regime, but it's probably more likely a sixth or maybe like a a pick swap like in in the fourth sixth, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really hard to handicap what players are worth in in NFL circles. Yeah. Um, but CJ Beathard is a guy who obviously would be affordable. He has two years remaining on his rookie contract. 
Um, and, you know, I, I think Beathard gets a bad rap mostly because he hasn't been put in very good situations. Um, I know he holds on to the ball too long and he's prone to ter- prone to giving the ball away, but um, I think there have been games that he has looked like a, like a potentially competent starter. He just needs to string those together uh, and be in better situations. But I think that's all we're going to, that's all we're going to have tonight. Uh, we are going to record again in a couple days before I, uh, I hop in a plane and go to Kansas city. I will be at the game Saturday night, um, at Arrowhead stadium. One of my, one of my new favorite towns is Kansas city. Actually, I was very pleasantly surprised when I got to go there last year for in uh, September for the first time. Um, Joe's barbecue, one of the best meals I've ever had. Have you ever been to Kansas city? I've not been to Kansas city yet. No, I was actually just talking to somebody today about how badly I want to go and eat some barbecue. My girlfriend's from Wichita, about three hours uh, east of Can- west of Kansas City. So I, I really badly want to go. Yeah, I, I would love to go check out a Royals game if I could. I don't think that's going to happen, though. But um, yeah, we're gonna rec- we'll, we'll record again in a couple days, previewing the, the all-important dress rehearsal third preseason game, the, uh, the game that's going to make or break Jimmy Garoppolo's career. Um, I'm kidding, of course. But, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll have that for you later this week, and we'll talk to you guys then. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.